0: Well, we are grateful that one of the gifts God makes available all the time is the strength that comes from fellowship. Uh, the word is koinonia, and it really just means sharing in common, but it's the what, what we have in common in Christ. And it's one reason for the beautiful mosaic of ethnicities and personalities and views and backgrounds. God's beautiful body of Christ. He's doing a work in the body of Christ today, and we want to be a part of that. Well, fellowship gives a gift of grace to your friends, so give someone a greeting in Christ today, the gift of peace in Him once again as we thank the Lord for His presence here today. Would you just reach out across the aisle maybe and say hello just for a brief moment, and uh, we're so grateful for you, There on Dropbox. It's well. I took a little longer with some announcements early this morning, kind of right out of the chute. We're dismissing Pathfinders now, so thanks again. Would you all take a moment and thank, give a big thank you applause to Jody Albright for the excellent work she does. Would you give Jody a Big hand appreciation today. Thank you. May be seated. And of course, as Justin referenced in his prayer, several people are dealing with um, illnesses that uh, we want to continue. Just pray for friends, we, a couple of people that have been diagnosed with COVID. And of course, everybody's still dealing with that issue. And we, we want to pray for those. We, we don't share names all the time because some people may not want those kind of details to always be known. So we just want to ask you pray for your church family, pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, I mentioned a couple of announcements early, partly because next Sunday we have a special guest for about oh, about 15 minutes at this part of the service, right after the, the worship team concludes, and then she's got to slip out too. But we're going to have a brief presentation from, uh, uh, from Joan Spangler, who is the area coordinator for the Operation Christmas Child this year. And we've linked arms with some folks in our community to make the Operation Christmas Child a a county-wide churches throughout Carroll County, which is just a joy to me. Ever since I first arrived in this county, I began cultivating and sowing seeds to bring people together, to connect with uh, those who serve the Lord God with all their heart in ministries across this county. It's always a blessing to me to see ways that we can maximize our efforts by doing that together. How many of you have done Operation Christmas Child before? Let me see your hand. Probably. Most, probably most everyone. So a lot of it won't be new to you, but we want to honor this county-wide uh, coordinated effort, and so our guest will be with us briefly next Sunday and just before uh, my message, and we also, in this time of uh, our accent upon the Challenge Farm, and for our guests, if you haven't seen it before, just this display over here to my far right is about this wonderful work in Kenya, in East Africa, that we've had the joy of partnering with for these years. And this is the last Sunday I'm going to mention it this way. I just want to bring this before you so that friends and guests, maybe somebody who hasn't had the opportunity to learn about this before, you could just put any amount of offering on a check and say Kenya or corn, and it's going to go to us helping them in this very, very important season. And uh, then the other that I wanted to mention today, a reminder that we stand with our crisis pregnancy centers. And if there is, as you know, as everyone knows, even the slightest awareness of the news today that these centers all across America that are providing help and rescue for babies and wonderful help and resources for moms and not doesn't stop after childbirth. Many of them are uh, the the toddlers and the crawlers and uh, even older are still getting some help and resources at these centers. We are so grateful to partner with the Pregnancy Care Center of Westminster. They've just changed their name slightly. I think it's Pregnancy Support Center, PSC, and then Alpha Pregnancy Center. So again, today, last day I'll mention this because we're gonna put a focus next week on Operation Christmas Child, but if you wanna just put on, your, uh, on an offering check, you can just put babies or baby or pregnancy and it'll go uh, to the offering we're giving to help support these centers. Now I want to, as we turn a corner together, we're going to share, as we go into God's Word together today, another opportunity for reading together aloud the Word of God. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, please, to find the the Bibles that are available here in the pews. We're going to share in a reading that uh, takes us further on this journey that we are on of bringing the joy of the Lord the fullness of this wonderful promise of God to every heart that the Lord meets us, not only in the good times, he meets us in those points of life where you find yourself struggling with any kind of disillusionment. So I'm going to begin with a shared scripture to read aloud together. And it is this simple statement from Deuteronomy 12. And would you just read it aloud together with me? We shall rejoice before the Lord our God in everything we do. We we read it last week in the text. You shall rejoice in the Lord your God. Now this week we're personalizing it. So I'm going to ask you to shout it out one more time unto the Lord. We We shall rejoice before before the Lord our God in everything we do. We do. Now, why would we want to accent this especially? Well, it's because there's an interesting kind of repetitive truth that we find in both Old and New Testament about rejoicing. Now, our message today is going to be why, the big why, we can do this. Why we can rejoice when? Before the Lord our God, in everything we do, why? It is because of the mighty power of the resurrection of Jesus and what his risen life and risen glory means in the hardest, nitty-gritty, tough, even distressing situations in life. And we find that, as we, we will see that, After we think a little bit more about this matter of joy and rejoicing. Why are these connected? Why in the Bible, for example, why is joy and rejoicing so closely connected to the hope that we have in Christ? Well, first of all, we understand that if we really receive what the Word of God tells us, there's a repetitive, repeating refreshing renewing aspect of this great truth think of it in the new testament we know rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice amen now open your bible to open your bible to psalm 145 we are going to share a reading Together today that accents once again that this is a repetitive, renewing, refreshing, revitalizing truth. And as simply as we might sing that song to our children, and we should rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. We're accenting something that's much more than just poetic language, but we're accenting A truth that Psalm 145 makes very real about the lives of the saints. Psalm 145. And in these Bibles, it's on page 721. If you'd like to join us there. And I'll ask you to stand together again as we'll share in the reading of God's Word beginning on the far on the bottom right corner of page 721, and let's read the first 16 verses aloud of Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. I'm not going to stop you on every verse, but can we stop on that one just once? Would you say it aloud with me together? How often? Every day. Say it out again. Every day. Now let's continue. I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate... On the glorious splendor of your majesty and in your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Can you give thanks to God for the reading of His Word? Just give Him thanks. Give Him your own thanks. Would you do that for a moment? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we, yes, we can speak of the glory of your kingdom. We can talk of your ways. We can bring into conversations across the landscape of our lives the wondrous truth that you are Lord. You are sovereignly guiding and directing our steps as children of the living God. You have a purpose. You have a plan. And no human device can thwart that which brings about the goodness of the glory of your design for your redeemed people, in Jesus' name, amen. amen, amen. It truly is not an exaggeration to say that these things are, I call them shouting ground, because when we find in Scripture what these things say, I will speak, I will declare, I will i will be mindful of the things that you've done, We're getting the foundation, you might say that we're getting the uh, ingredients and the equipment to partake of a bright new horizon of hope in our lives. I don't know what brought you here today, what your particular circumstance is, what might be pressing or weighing upon your mind or your heart, but I know this. When I ask you now, if you would please, to turn in your Bible to the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, that when we lock back into the central thrust of truth that we find about the dynamic working of the Holy Spirit, that you can have in Christ, that very dynamic, we've just reflected in the Psalms, you can be declaring His goodness. You can be talking about God again. Now, this is counter cultural in the extreme, isn't it, in our culture today? It is almost as if, as, as our culture in America seems to spiral down into worse and worse and more bizarre forms of degeneracy, that the children of God of all times, the people who love Christ, should be talking about Jesus, talking about God talking about His goodness, talking about timeless, irrefutable, immutable truths in the Word of God that enable us to deal with the pressures in our culture successfully. So the background of Romans 8 would be, for us today, this passage that's often been called the magnum office of the Apostle Paul, this place of... Expounding upon what the Holy Spirit does dynamically in the lives of believers is literally chock full of ingredients that will put a fresh perspective of your soul. It will give you that great horizon of hope. And it begins in that 15th and 16th verse. I'd like you to go back. We left off last week looking at uh, the introduction in this verse to both relationship and inheritance. And so I would invite you back, first of all, to look at the 15th verse in your Bible, thinking about how this anticipates the working of the Holy Spirit in our life that helps us to gain a fresh horizon of hope. Now notice, first of all, in your Bible first, and then we'll read from the screen the 16th verse, but that 15th verse shows us this this comparison. We looked at it last week in light of comparing it with biology. You go to the realm of biology. In the go into the science class and look at the, the principles in biology. The astounding the astounding discoveries and advances that have occurred in our lifetimes. That earlier generations, a couple hundred years ago, uh, diseases were being treated and and crimes were being. Researched and investigated all kinds of things today that we now take it, take for granted that DNA is useful in all of these fields of life, and yet 200 years ago, nobody would have even dreamed or had a concept of what it was. So last week we we spent about five minutes looking at the helix, the DNA. What does that look like? What does it look like under a microscope? Why is that? Why is that such an important parallel for the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives? And and one of the parallels, of course, is that. In a biological sense, what God has designed in the cellular structure of the human body is is an incredible index to immutable characteristics that are unique to every single individual. So, back in the text, Romans 8.15, if we think about what the Apostle Paul wrote 2,000 years ago, as the Holy Spirit revealed how a believer can get out of the place of despair and into the horizon of hope. He said, you, you and I, Romans eight fifteen, you have received not the spirit of slavery that would entangle you into fear. Do you see that in your own Bible? The spirit of bondage, again, to fear, the King James says. Some translations will then render that the slavery to fear. You might think of it this way. That when the Holy Spirit pinpoints our past, there is an entanglement in the human mind and heart that in the natural realm can keep us wrapped up in all kinds of fears. Now, it might not be abject terror in some people's lives. It might be the fear of rejection. It might be the fear of failure. It might be the fear of trying something new. It might be a whole host of fears. It might even be a fear of the demonic realm, as some people struggle with fears of of that which they cannot see. And all of those entanglements are a part of what we leave behind in the old man when Christ comes into our hearts. So, again, in Romans 8, 15, we have a comparison you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fear, but, the contrast, you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So Romans 8.15 is a, is a window into the interior design by Almighty God of the redeemed soul. And last week we we saw that there is no more magnificent interior design than the design of our Redeemer. Because it is not only God's promise of salvation in Christ, it's also individual. Romans 8.15 indicates that every individual has this unique Abba, Father relationship with the Lord. has come to dwell in your heart. Jesus himself uttered that word Abba, Father, in the Garden of Gethsemane in the most severe extremity of his soul. Yes, even the sinless, victorious, glorious God-man, the Son of God in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was pressed to the point of human extremity he uttered those, the phrase, Abba, Father. And now, in Romans 8.15, and it's repeated in Galatians 4.7, this truth is dropped right down into the very, we might say, the DNA code of a child of God. And it's like saying, once you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you've surrendered your heart to Him, you are not simply given a promise of heaven one day when you die. Yes, that's true. But now God has re-equipped you. There's an interior designer in your life called the Holy Spirit. So read the 16th verse aloud from the screen with me. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So, there is both in verse 15 and 16, there is both comparison of how the old nature entangles the soul in a plethora of fears, and that's contrasted with the inbreaking of the, the Holy Spirit's refreshing, revitalizing, powerful grace that enables you and me to say with reality, Father. Abba, Abba Daddy. It's that that hint at baby or infant language, the, the first words of a little one when they're beginning to speak. It's a reminder that to be born again and have Christ in your heart means there's something brand, sparkling, new, and it is the grace of God. And no matter how many years you've walked with the Lord, you and I know we still need that simple intimacy of trust in our Heavenly Father. You see, what I love about Romans 8, at this section especially, is that whether it's the brand new, born again child of God, just just prayed the prayer of salvation, just was awakened to what it means to give my heart and my life to Christ, born again, the incorruptible seed of the Word of God has come to dwell in them, and that individual, man, woman, boy, girl, of any background of any experienced background in life, can say, Father, Abba, Daddy, to Almighty God. And then, verse 16 adds not only can you pray it, not only can you say it, and later in life when you've encountered many difficulties and struggles, and as the great hymn Amazing Grace says, through many dangers, toil, in snares, I have already come. Amen? Even then, even then, if Jesus needed to say Abba in the Garden of Gethsemane, how much more do we? If Jesus himself said, Abba, Father, take this cup from me, but not as I will, but as you will. If Jesus needed to say Abba, how much more do we need that simplicity Of trust that says, yeah, I've experienced some disappointments. I've experienced some disillusionments. I've seen some things that frustrate me to no end. But, oh, Father, oh, Father, you are my God. You are my Redeemer. You see, I believe in the heart of Romans 8. I I want to explore with you what it means for all of us in Christ to be able to keep this tenderness of soul, to be able to keep this awareness and awakening. Why? Because it reflects, Romans 8, reflects this interior work of the Holy Spirit that does two things. It awakens you to the real voice of God, and it assures you of His love. In the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, then we are given here a wonderful introduction to our inheritance as the redeemed children of God who can perceive the voice of God's assurance and grace and can be anchored in the knowledge that He loves you. Now, throughout this chapter, there is an accent On this word knowing there's an accent on a deeply anchored assurance in your life which is why I compared it to the DNA code and it's another little piece of that that's quite interesting just like in the DNA code they call the infinitesimally tiny bits of data that are in the DNA these microscopic very, very, unimaginably tiny, little tiny dots of data are are like an alphabet that's invisible to the natural eye because in in every single individual soul, there is a message embedded in the DNA. There's something unique. It's why medical science and criminal justice and many other fields Can use DNA profitably because of the individualization of the DNA. Now, if God, our Creator, wisely designed that in the very structure, the very cellular structure of His natural creation, then how much more awesome is it when we come over into the life of the interior of the soul and realize God's love. For you my friend, if I could call anybody out by name right now, it would be it would dramatize this. I just don't want to embarrass anyone. But God's love for you as an individual is not just some generalized blanket of love. It's not like when you become a Christian that you can say, well there's like when we were kids, my brothers and I would sometimes on a really Bad rainy day. We, when we were little kids, we would build a f- tent in the house, and we would get blankets and bedspreads and stuff and sheets, and we would spread them all over the furniture, and then we'd crawl around and make tunnels in the house under the tent. Come on, how many of admi- admit? How many of you did it? Okay, and so you might think some people think of the gospel like this. They think, well, when I got to came to know Christ, it's like I'm just under this tunnel of love. I'm 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 under this big blanket because God loves everybody in a kind of a general way. Oh, listen, it is true that God loves everybody, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, but the book of Romans shows us that love is far more precise, far more individualized, far more directed at you, the real you, than you could ever even begin to imagine. This is a truth that is mirrored in biology. In the cellular structure, DNA is the language that the tiny cells use to know what to do. Well, in the walk of a child of God, Romans 8.16 says, The Holy Spirit is communicating with our spirit, so if I am putting my trust in Christ as my Lord and Savior, I can be sure, I can be sure of this. God knows your path. God knows your needs. God knows the cry of your heart. God knows how you're designed. And it's like, if you think of it this way, just as, just as the, the creator, and, and, in, and modern medical science now just gives us, through microscopes and through technology, now we can see things that, that an earlier generation couldn't see with their eye. Isn't that a wonderful thing about sonograms when you're expecting a baby and you realize now the, the human eye can see in the sonogram the wondrous indescribably magnificent movement of a baby in the womb and we can see it with crystal clarity. Well God has always seen the baby in the womb that way. We're just latecomers to the program and the same in Romans 8 is God would say to you just as Powerfully as he can see the interior working of your soul, yes, the Holy Spirit can empower you to have an interaction with God that is something like the playing of music. There's an old Scottish fable about a mother who was expert on her harp, and as she played her harp, her children would gather around and they would listen to mom playing the harp. And they loved the beautiful music of the harp. I love the beautiful music of the harp. And when she stopped playing, sometimes the children would would go to the harp and they would begin to pluck the strings, this string, that string, just playfully, and try try to get some of that music. But... As child after child plucks the harp strings, the sounds are jarring and chaotic. It's not easy on the ear at all. So, in that Scottish story, the children ask their mom to show them the strings where her beautiful music comes from. Show us those strings that the beautiful music comes from. And the mother smiles warmly and gently answers the children that, The music is indeed in the strings, but the power to draw it out is not mine to give you. You must, step by step, learn how the strings relate and how to manipulate the strings. Well, we might say this, that God brings beautiful music out of the souls of his redeemed people, and when we look at the beauty and the the fragrance of life that comes from another child of God, we we yearn for the beauty of of the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the the patience, the faithfulness, the meekness, the the self-control. And we see the wondrous fruit. And we hear the sound of, of the beauty of what God does in the soul of a redeemed child of God. And it is as if the Holy Spirit says in Romans 8.16 that there is a communication between our spirit, the small s, and the Holy Spirit. Now this is quite intriguing. I want you to see it as bookends here in this just these last few minutes. I want you to see this in verse 15 and 16, and then in your Bible, then trace your finger down to verse 26 and 27, What what is in between those that we'll look at next week is, is an absolutely phenomenal understanding of why you can live on the horizon of hope. But it is this, these bookends of the spirit, small s, the human spirit, and the Holy Spirit, and the relationship between the two that helps us realize what God is doing here. Let's look at it first in verse 26. Do you have your Bible open to Romans 8, 26? This is where the Bible says to us that we, and I think we all feel this way, in the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Now let me pause and ask, how many of you can admit that when it comes to the realm of prayer, You would not claim to be an expert. May I see your hand? (laughs) I don't know anybody, no matter how long they've walked with God, who would say, I'm an expert in prayer. you know why? Because if you're honest, we all know we feel very inadequate in prayer. Do we not? We feel very inadequate in prayer. And this text begins with this wonderful statement. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. At every point of life where we need to grow in any of those fruit of the Spirit. How many of you need to grow in patience today? How many of you could need a little more patience in your life? How many of you would love to sense that you're you're bounding down the track toward more self-control? Better better sense of discipline in all realms of life? I, I think so. Well, go right back into that text of Romans 8, 26 and think of what he's promising you. The Holy Spirit, capital S, helps us in our weakness because we do not know how to pray as we should. But what? And this is capital S. Notice it in your Bible. The Spirit himself. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words it's an amazing thing to think about this that it that in the text of scripture god speaks of all of creation being in anticipation of the future day when god's going to make everything when all evil will be eradicated and and there will be a new heavens and a new earth but that that seems so far distant to us and we can't even begin to comprehend it but What the Bible tells us is that this world we live in has a future. It has a horizon of hope. There is a future day, even for the world that has been damaged and corrupted and cursed by the sin of human beings. And yet, in the child of God, in our heart, there's also an anticipation, and that anticipation Demonstrates a powerful truth. That demonstrates that you and I, as redeemed children of God, now live in a different place. We live in a status that is called heirs of God. So, verse 26 says that there's a groaning that takes place inside of us. Now, what I love about verse, if you compare verse 16 and verse 26, and their book ends on this massive truth about God's order in creation, the wonderful beauty that God has in store for all creation, it highlights an amazing connection point that's very important for us to know. And that is the groanings there refer to everything in life that is beyond our capacity to explain or understand now if you begin to pray whenever you're praying you know don't you that there are some things your mind simply cannot comprehend and somebody might unwisely say or hastily say well why should I pray because I can't understand this oh no friend that's the opposite that's why you should pray because when you have hit the wall of your discouragement of your disappointment of your disillusionment of your distress you might think of that wall of discouragement like a groan oh in fact literally how many of you have ever started to pray i can say this for myself how many of you have ever started to pray and you, st- you start to pray about something, and all of a sudden you just groan. <laughs> Have you ever just done that? You just groan. The beautiful good news of Romans eight twenty six, let me put it very bluntly, is God loves your groans. God welcomes our questions. He welcomes our struggle. Someone said, Well, I don't know if I can really go to church right now because I'm really having a struggle with my faith. That's why you should go and be a part of what's happening among the people of God. Every child of God that lives on this planet in a human body with a human brain has struggles. And what Romans 8.26 does is it wraps this wonderful fabric of faith around even the hardest groans of life, and what it tells us is that the Holy Spirit is communicating with our spirit, and when you pray, even when you're uttering a prayer or when you're just pouring your soul out in silence, the Holy Spirit hears and responds, and it's almost as if the text would be implying That the Holy Spirit, back in verse 15, we called Him Abba Father. The Holy Spirit is walking us right into the presence of Abba Father. The Holy Spirit is drawing out of us what we need to know and love and worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And why would we need to know that? Well, this is where we see verse 17. And do you see this? in your Bible, go back to that 17th verse. And I want to ask you to read this on the screen with me as a kind of a way to go out into this beautiful day today, maybe, maybe with a brand new awareness that what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life is not only good, it's not only great, but it's proof of what Romans eight seventeen says, that you are in Christ as an heir of God, H-E-I-R. That is, God has promised you something that's an inheritance far beyond what your mind can comprehend on one simple basis. The word if. Do you see the word if on the screen? And if, children. We read the Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Could you shout it out? I'm a child of God. And verse 17 then says, So if you're a child, if you're children of God, then guess what? You're heirs of God. You're heirs of God, and you're joint heirs with Christ Jesus. So, what is this aiming at? What is this telling us? One quick takeaway. Ephesians 2.7 says that in the ages to come, in a time unimaginable to us, in a time far distant to our present tense experience in life, that God is going to do something amazing. Ephesians 2.17 says that in the ages to come. He will display the riches of His grace in His kindness through Christ Jesus. There is some way that the Bible is describing as if the same almighty creator who spangled the solar systems into infinitely vast outer space, this same God, is going to display even something far greater than the beauty of a planet like Jupiter or some other planet. No, this this God is going to display how rich His kindness was in the lives of simple, common, ordinary people who simply said, Father, Father, Abba i want to ask you to pray with me that in this moment you could say yes to the father call. The simplicity of it is powerful because a takeaway for everyone is that we need no special training to be people of prayer. We need no special equipment because it's already been given. We're heirs of God. The Holy Spirit himself is our equipper. So we need no special equipment. Now, there are helps, and those are good things, reading a devotional, having a prayer list, having a prayer group. There are 1,001 helps to prayer. But what is so vital is deep in our souls to be able to know you, yes, you, If I could name each of you by name, it would be as if the Lord would be saying it to you. You, yes you, you can bring your earnest, heartfelt prayer to your Heavenly Father and you can know today that there is an interior work of the Holy Spirit happening in your life. It is as majestic, it's more majestic than the awesome miracle of the cellular structure in biology. It's more majestic awesome than the vast reaches of outer space and the hundreds of billions of stars in hundreds of billions of galaxies. In fact, we know that because the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, has five words describing the creation of outer space. It says, and he made the stars. But it spends 50 chapters describing God's interaction with is redeemed with the covenant men and women that he would use to display his glory. The proportion is important. God cares about you. Just before that next song, with your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment, I'm just going to ask you, could you just join me in a very simple response? And it would just be to say, today in some way, I don't know how, it's today and this evening, in some way, I'm going to get quiet with God And I'm just going to say, Abba, Father. How many of you would just do that? Would you lift your hand? I'm just going to get somewhere. I'm going to get quiet. And among whatever else I may pray, I'm going to say, Abba, Father. And receive to your heart that, yes, the Holy Spirit is doing an interior work in you. It's ongoing. It's producing hope on your horizon. And it's lifting you to be someone who's rejoicing every day, every day, in everything you do before the Lord.